Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When we started this, there was about 10 tents. Now we're over 100. You think we're at a trailer park? I should start charging a mission. In the middle of an overdose crisis and a housing crisis, a pandemic happened. We were supposed to shelter in place, but there were outbreaks in the shelters, so a lot of people ended up pitching tents. I have four tents put together all in one. It looks like a condo. I have a balcony and, uh, and my gazebo. And <laughs> I'm Alia Pabani. We Are Not the Virus is a four-part podcast series that takes you inside Toronto's encampments. Each episode, you'll hear from residents about the creative ways they're making a home in one of the most expensive cities in the world. Hey, I'm Anupa Mystery. Welcome back to another episode of Burnout, a podcast featuring short conversations about creative sustainability with working artists from Toronto and beyond. Some still don't know what to do. Some still don't know what to do. Some still don't know what to do. So today you'll meet Chris Harper of Nehawak, which is a band that's on the shortlist for this year's Polaris Music Prize. The band is from Amiskwichi in Treaty 6 territory, which you might also know of as Edmonton, Alberta. This is a chat I've been wanting to have since I first heard Nehawak's EP Starlight in 2018. I love a wall of sound, um, but more importantly, I was drawn to the messages, not just in the music, but behind the music. At that time, I was really starting to tire of and question my own investment in art and ideas that seem radical or progressive, but lack a deeper contextual ethic or understanding. I came across this interview with Nehawak, which also includes Matthew Cardinal and Merrick Tyler, where they spoke about how honoring the philosophy and legacy of their Cree ancestors included respect for every part of the creative process, from you know the collaborative energy between bandmates to the collaboration between themselves and their instruments. It really moved me because I think a lot about how action, righteous action, isn't just a public, recognizable, consumable act. It's a million small choices that we make every single day. In this conversation, Chris talks about finding inspiration in the mothers of the Idle No More movement, why he thinks the word Indigenous includes more people than you might think, labeling the band's music moccasin gaze to reclaim shoegaze and redeem the legacy of the legendary Black British band A.R. Kane, and the small but mighty choices that can change the way that artists work. My name is Chris Harper. Um, I play in the band Nehiwak as well as AG47, and I'm in Amiskwichi, Treaty 6 territory, um, also known as Edmonton, Alberta. Um, yeah, you know, I'm like, I'm just feeling the fact that we're in a day that is unlike seemingly any in this world. And this day has to do with truth. And I'm like, I'm kind of stoked on that. I remember seeing uh, Beverly Glenn Copeland speak a few years back and they said that um, uh, 
like look it brought me to tears right like looking out on the group of people and talking about like their life and um the the arc of an artist's career and then they were like it doesn't make sense you know like I'm like this older person I'm surrounded by young people and it's like but actually like I have been waiting for you it was really really beautiful and I also think of this time as inevitable when you say today today is a beautiful day when you're thinking of today what what are you thinking about you know being a person who's grown up in the prairies and you know having to hear 10,000 songs of uh, Europeans singing about empty prairies, it's, it's been heavy, you know, it's mm-hmm. been a heavy experience. And, um, and I feel like, yo, that was never the case. And, and why were you singing about it? You know, and, and Hey, it's a, it's a time to like, let's sing something different, you know, and, and put some strength back into people. It was important at the time for me when we recorded this, it was just 2017 now, but it, there was something about recognizing that indigeneity was not something that we could so easily understand right. that actually the histories written since 1492 had never been written by indigenous people, or if they had um, the awareness of those writings or teachings weren't there to the same degree that they were of the European canons. So it really puts to question these physical features and melanin, and like, what is hmm. the African versus the quote unquote black person versus the indigenous person? Are these people one and the same? And, and songs like Copper and stuff were questioning that. And, you know, it's funny because I, I actually even said that on cue, but, you know, they cut that part <laughs> out, you know, because that was like too much. You know, they could, mm. they could handle it in a song, but mm. handling those words is, is a very different thing. And, um, but I think we're at that day, you know, what a beautiful day. Let's, let's try to re-understand this stuff. Like, let's take another look at these records. Let's have another listen to these records. You know, like mm. when Marvin Gaye was saying, what's going on in 1971, what was going on? You know, like, did that just seem to be the year that fiat currency was created too? Like, yeah, it was. And, and there, and the fact that Sly made a response within two weeks and he said, there's a riot going on. You know, and, and that's, you know, so this is, this is a long history and, and, and that, you know, that's only till 71. We're, we're, we're going way back in all this to the treaties and also with the name Amiskwachi as opposed to Amiskwachi Waskahigan, which has to do with the fort. And a lot of people don't, they'll call it Amiskwachi Waskahigan because it is longer and it's seemingly harder to say and, and it seems more kind of something, but in reality, that only puts us back to the 1800s because mm-hmm. that those forts weren't there before that. So mm-hmm. before that, it was just a Miskwachi and, and it had to do with the Beaver Hills and the places that, you know, dealt with Buffalo, the, the, the hides were tan on these hills. And then these rivers, I mean, these rivers were the highways. When you all came together, and maybe this is a good time to introduce your bandmates, but when yes. you and your bandmates came together uh, to form Nehawak, um what were you trying to express? There was talks and lectures in 2012 and 2013 that had to do with the I don't know more movement. And that movement was created by four women in Saskatchewan. And these, this kind of idea really just like, it it really did kind of blow up, erupt, I should say across Canada where there were talks at campuses. There was like, you know, all kinds of these um, like 
I think they were, I forget what they were called, pop-up powwows or something like this. They were just like events just starting in places and they would all be text to find out about them and stuff. And anyway, um, I I was just kind of blown away in the sense that it just felt like, wow, okay, here's what this is. Now, what are we going to do? Like put on like Neil Young and Crazy (laughs) Horse or something like Oh no, you know, like we gotta, we gotta have some tunes, you know, what, what these conversations are doing to me, like the vibration of it is like shaking me and I want that in my music. So around that time, I asked Matthew, who is my friend and worked at a guitar store, Matthew Cardinal, who plays keys and bass and sings in the band, um, we should start a band, you know, like imagine if, if everyone in the band was indigenous, you know, like, wouldn't that be sick, you know? And what if we were all Cree in the band? Like, wouldn't that be sick? And, and it was an idea and it took four years to come to fruition. And, uh, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until my cousin, uh, Merrick Tyler moved to town and we went to Easter dinner and he just was like, yo, man, we should jam sometime. And I was like, actually, that sounds great. We should call my buddy Matthew. And bang, it was like in a couple of nights, we were starting to um, work out the material that I had been writing since 2012 mm-hmm. and then, um, or 2013. And then, um, and then we ended up writing new songs as well. The first and last track on the album were instrumentals, but <clears throat> we came up with the idea about trying to time it to the river. So, right. so then that was like a whole thing and, and trying to, trying to essentially just point out where we're from and in as deep a way as we could and, and mm-hmm. not necessarily get into traditional knowledge. And none of us were Nehoewen speakers. So we mm. weren't, um, like I grew up with my mother speaking it, but I, she wasn't speaking it to her children. And this is again, the, some of the irreparable damages of, of the colonial history that exists. So it's been, it's been all of our own work to try to learn more words and, and get more involved in our communities in this way. But when we made that recording, I just feel like it was just pure love, you know, and we were, mm-hmm. we were respectful. It was like a sober environment. Um, we were like doing prayer, not, not prayer, but like smudging every day, you know, like just like trying to create the coolest vibe. And, um, and so that I'm so stoked about. You're talking about being almost on this, this process of discovery through the making of the music. Um, and so, so where have you ended up and, and maybe, maybe a good way of speaking to that is, is something that you thought or did or believed three or four years ago at the outset that has changed now or shifted. Yeah. You know, the, for me, there was a certain sense of identity um, from a musical standpoint that I was trying to understand uh, with this, this idea of this band. Um, And then there were some, some different approaches. Like when we decided to try to name the band, as opposed to just like coming up with a name or picking it out of a hat or any of these things, we just went to the elders in our community, which were our parents. And it was Matthew's dad, uh, Tarzan Cardinal, who said Nehiwak. And I kind of, to be honest, was inspired to even do that by listening to the Ethiopians um, mm. and, and just, just learning about how they got their name, you know, and they had went to the Rastafarian community and, and into the elders and were like, hey, what do we call our band? And they said the Ethiopians. So it was, that was a real inspiration. 
initially. Um, right. And, and it really feels too like we were attacked. Well, <laughs> again, I can only speak for myself, but I was kind of attacking, you know, European genre and classification systems by going after moccasin gaze because really shoegaze for one was created by two melanated individuals uh, who were in the band AR Kane, but also it, the contortions that happened after and how it became this English speaking, you know, European descent language. Moccasin gaze was an attack because I always felt like I couldn't be those bands in a way that was asking people to ask themselves what the genre is, you know, like, right. What was it in the first place when those songs were being created? are cyclical and they yes. kind of evolve a little bit more Each over time. the course of time. But um, I do think that pop culture and social media has advanced this cause of representation. Um, but I find myself a bit wary of how that often emphasizes a kind of visual or aesthetic mode of progress um, and how we can yeah. implicate ourselves as racialized people in this project of becoming legible or to, or visible to whiteness, right? So, yes. I mean, name aside... Nahiawa could potentially scan as like just kind of an indie rock band or, you yeah. know, whatever, yeah. if you're just taking a very quick scroll on a page. Um, yeah. And so I'm, I'm wondering how you're thinking through the aesthetic demands of, of the music and media industries. For me, the experience of all of this has taught me that we can't effectively... Um, bring into this conversation a really uh, foundationally solid, um, different, like alternative perspective where no one is going to be able to do it without a holistic view being changed. And that holistic view cannot be in the artist alone. Let's say for whatever reason, any of these artists um, who are working today, who are, let's say, maybe trying to affect some change or, or create some awareness or do some different things. Um, if all of a sudden your, your music just kind of takes off and all of a sudden there's like a million dollars in your bank account, you know, um, for you to claim that money and use it yourself, it does this, it does that same cyclical thing where it's just this, this ongoing destructive behavior. Whereas there has to be some kind of community involvement with this money, setting up something to receive money. So the community building has to do with, with involving more people we know, because we, you and I each know that it doesn't take an astrophysicist to run a PR campaign or, or a marketing campaign or to be a lawyer for some of these entertainment contracts. But I think all of us are put in this position to rely on help that was never actually helping. Um, and. Hmm. Without changing those things, like from the inside out and throughout this uh, paradigm, then I think, yeah, it, it, it can only get worse because it's, it's already gotten this bad. 
we haven't been talking about, let's say, Wetsutawin being partially funded by any one band's royalties mm. um, or, or any of these things. You know, instead, these are the lawyers in some cases, sometimes the label owners who end up buying the masters or publishing to artists. And, and then they're the ones who hang on to those dollars into perpetuity. I specifically been veering away from any term white or black because I just, I've been learning about the legal implications, but um, when I say indigenous, I mean black. And I also mean indigenous is the way that maybe you've seen on the emblem of the redskins people's understanding of where their estate is and, and where their birthright is and how they've been being held back from that birthright and estate. Um, could could become a lot more focused if 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 people were more into that idea what is that you know like nationhood in this isolated environment where everyone's out for themselves making fighting for dollars seems seems scary you know it doesn't seem like the foundations that we got to have when right when bezos and musk are making billions you know and they're they're launching stuff into space and this kind of thing and like but but without any indigenous influence. You know, and it's right. like, man, that that can't be right. You know, like there's there's something not right there. And and it's just because eighty percent of the world are melanated and how many of the world is included in this conversation who are melanated? And that's that's the big thing. And and that's where we're trying to change and and uh and I feel like it's people gotta get into et- etymology. And, and laws, because that's, you know, if, if, we, if we put all our faith into how the colonists and the settlers um, describe our ancestors, then we're, we're stuck in their ballpark of understanding. We can't understand right. ourselves. Anyway. I'm aware that there's so much that English can't capture about yes. the stories that you're trying to tell, and, and even in, in this conversation, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, you've spoken in another interview about trying to insert different linguistic realities into art. And I think the things you're saying definitely speak to that. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if you can talk about that, the importance of, of language and, and knowing your language um, and how that shapes the way that you think about art. Well, I, I grew up in an environment um with with my family, like my mother, who's Nehiao, uh, she worked for the government, and uh, and my father um, worked uh, as a carpenter, and so um, the the during the days as a baby, I was actually raised by a woman who is Iranian, and she taught me Farsi up until age uh, five. And, oh, and wow. she would speak to me in Farsi and then I would speak back sometimes in Farsi, but sometimes in English. And I, and I actually have like a really good ear for Farsi. <laughs> there is essentially um, many things in Nehiawewin from how I've been told that can't be said in English. But there's also, um, there's also like a lot of English terms that are used that don't actually mean what we think they do. But all of these languages that were seemingly created to describe all of these things that we're interacting with in our life, which are just like, we're just vibrating talking about it, but we're not even saying anything. Um, 
but it's I like feel, haunted language. Yeah, it's haunted language, right? And 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 too, I feel like people get worked up in ways in their anger, in some ways within language, but it's still not always founded anger because. If we knew what these words meant, if we knew the legal implications of how we use them, um, would it affect how we speak, you know? And it likely would. (laughs) Kind of building off of what you were just talking about, about um, language and kind of carrying, like almost being weaponized, um, carrying these implications that um, we're not aware of. I mean, one thing that kind of comes to mind or that I've been thinking about a lot uh, is the song Starlight, your song Starlight. Um, You know, as someone who grew up in like a working class uh, suburb, an industrialized suburb of Toronto and like feels very detached from from the outdoors, you know, the connotation of a word like Starlight um, is infinitely different than what now the contemporary connotation of that word um, would have for people in Western Canada or indigenous people um, in particular. Even in the history of jazz music or bebop, you've had these stories of guys getting driven out to places by the cops and just left there or beaten or, you know, all these kind of things. So the, the thing is universal, the tactic, but that starlight tour was to do with Neil Stonechild in Saskatchewan mm. and and that's where where it got kind of the most amount of awareness i included women in the second verse like right. how many roses does it take and how many beauties will it break because i was kind of like it's not just fair to say that this is just a, a a guy who's having a hard time playing the streets and getting picked up by the cops like this is happening this is genocide and let's mm-hmm. call it what it is and um Without without calling that, because I don't necessarily want people to be singing that word. We look to what's happening in the States. And I mean, I think there's been a lot of awareness um, brought to the ways in which Black people in Canada are treated. Um, I know people are making the connections, but I'd like for people to not think of these ideas as siloed, you know, or these experiences as siloed. Exactly. Yeah. We There are... You know, in this idea of pan-indigeneity or pan-Africanism, I, I certainly understand how there are issues with trying to group everyone's problems into one or, or everyone's issues. But at the same time, without seeing some of the similarities that are just like ripping through all of these communities as one thing, um, then we're not, we can't kind of like, we're, we're strong. We're stronger in bigger numbers, <laughs> right? Like if you and I are indigenous on this call, like, Oh, what? Like now, now we're talking like, Oh shit. It's, it's indigenous media time, you know, or whatever it might be because now we're able to break, break past any of these other legal terms that would allow us to, to recognize some of these things that are the same. It, it is to do with police. It has to do with colonial history. Um, it has to do with, with Constantine's removal of the mother in, um, the Bible in the third century. And it, ha- and, you know, and it has to do with kind of the history of Europe after the fall of the Moors. And, um, 
It's just another empire. It's just another empire. And, and beyond that, too, un, it's an unlike many of the empires that preceded it, if we're talking about African history or melanated history, we have to say that um, no one tried to cover up as much information without recognizing these mothers and and recognizing the land of which and everything upon which we live, like like water. The, the, the reason we named that album Water, uh, for me, was just every lecture I went to, that was number one. You know, we need to control these waters. Like, the idea that we let this water be determined by corporate interests is is absolutely wrong and and there was clean water advisories and the clean water thing too this is is flint and and atawapiskat what is the difference like this is this is systemic We're over time and 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 all that stuff. You have to edit here. this. I know. Thank you so much. Oh, oh my god. Oh goodness. Absolutely. Um, Anytime. We got to connect more. <laughs> there is some real aspects to this work too that I think require our our organization and our kind of like bringing our communities together. All kinds of people in this country, um, and other countries together in this story. You know, because I feel so much more comfortable in this conversation than I have in many. Because so often on the other end of this line, I'm having to speak to someone who's, who these things I'm saying are so radical that they're just like, what, you know, like, what are you talking about? And, right. and or, or cut it out, you know, and, <laughs> and you will have to do a lot of cutting out, which is great. I'm, I'm trying to learn to, um, to speak with that voice instead of speaking with, with fear or with, or by being timid, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think people thought it was quite outspoken, but yeah. um yeah, there was a lot of fear because I was constantly being told no. You know, it's just an abusive environment and that's also in music one of these things that we have to like be so cautious of because it actually whether we hear it at the time or not, if the beat is slamming and the lyrics are are sick, but you yourself are under major duress and stress and putting your anger and frustrations in there. People hear it and they feel it and it sucks. It if you if we could avoid that, if we could just embed it with love, like then that vibration has the ability to like help people out, you know, help people heal. We didn't have um, years of touring under our belt where we might have, you know, been getting loose or or <laughs> maybe acting in ways that we shouldn't have or any of this. We didn't have that history, you know, and and I I personally still can say this, but I know, too, that we're also, um, you know, everyone's got to deal with with their life and their choices, you know, and the environments of music and all the free alcohol, like it's scary places, to be honest. Um, yeah. 
and 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 part of maybe a good reason why they had to kind of shut him down uh, in this way like beyond the mm. actual safety of people of a disease like the disease of that kind of consumption and abuse that can lead to really bad things um you know i was thinking about the instagram posts that you made yeah. um about the junos about not not going to the junos and then yeah. donating the cost of attending to the junos to yes. the Wet'suwet'en land defenders yeah um, I, I'll read some of it cause I'll sure. share that for context. Sure. Um, so you wrote, um, and this is a very small excerpt because it was, sure. it was, uh, yeah, it was long <laughs> and pe- I'll, I'll link to it so people can read it. But okay. you said, I wrote these songs because of experiences in my life and I wanted to make music that didn't feel like it was contributing to the erasure of others' histories or supporting colonial ideologies through art and language. For me, I had never thought of awards for my music and was often much more concerned with the process of recording and working on my writing on my own or with others all while ensuring the messaging in the lyrics and arrangements did not add to the rhetoric of colonial violence or support the legacy of acceptance. Today feels like a day that we consider making different choices. So, I mean, leaving people with that, um, you know, how, how can people start making different choices um, and specifically in relation to their careers and and to being an artist? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I, I've been conscious of this for some time, but at the same time, this is an ongoing amount of my work. And part of that work is about understanding that like, for instance, and this, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about, but when there's these opportunities to go on these trips and go on these tours and there's all these new people and all this new stuff, there's going to be like, a whole bunch of alcohol there <laughs> and there's likely going to be some people who would be willing to get intimate with you um at the drop of a hat or something and like if your decisions are to take that in um there will be repercussions of some kind either what's going to happen is you will be known for exporting a type of behavior that is really um working against growth and it's working against people, um, you know, healing. And um, and and how do I treat people? You know, like how how do I act out here? You know, like am I the coolest, hippest person around? Am I like you know the flyest with all the ladies or the guys or you know like any of this kind of thing? Like it's it's really about anyone doing this music stuff for the most part got into it because they got hurt and, and they were looking for healing in some kind of way. And a lot of times it was art. And, um, and the reason that it was so powerful is because the, the language and everything in it, the intentions that were put in, in some cases were put in there just to make you feel good. Even though we're all out here trying to act like individuals, there is, there is a something about the individual that takes everything away from the community. And, um, and so we have to, we have to be aware of that. And, um, and it's just like, it's exciting in the sense that there's no real infrastructure set up. So we have to look inward. We have to imagine the kind of things that we want to see. And that's the only way we're going to see them. If we just like, you know, with our eyes closed, feel around until something feels good. We're not actually even trying to uh, manifest anything. 
everyone has the same opportunities in that. And, um, and I, I think we're just, it's a, it's at a time in, in history where it matters more than ever. Like if we find out that you're singing these songs about change and hope and, and all these nice ideas, but then we find out that you're like out there abusing children and, and, you know, living a treacherous lifestyle, then in reality, that's like, it's important that you stop. It can't, you know, we can't just keep like creating environments for it to happen and hoping that it won't like it's, um, you know, it's just a time to get real on all levels. And, uh, and, and I think a time for people to be courageous and different, maybe you're trying to build something different, you know, and, and maybe what you're building is got healing at its core. And, and I think that's the only way out of this, you know? Thanks for listening to another episode of Burnout. Please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Instagram at Burnout Pod. Or if you want to know more about what's rattling around in my old brain, you can subscribe to the Burnout newsletter at anupa.substack.com. The theme music is by Lal. The song is called Dark Beings. Original music provided by Jamal Padmore and artwork by Ahmad Studio. Thanks so much for your attention. Talk to you soon.